filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Suspicious night here at Filibuster. I, I'm at AMT Studios. Of course, Ben and Jason are in their respective initial studios. Uh, but an auspicious occasion here. One of us is now very old. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. Anderson. Happy birthday to you. For those of you keeping score at home, you can pull out Ben singing that and play it twice when you wash your hands and you'll get rid of the virus. But you won't because the virus will be in your head because you will have listened to me singing that twice. Ben is the virus. We've, we figured it out, guys. We just have to get Ben. We just need to cover yeah. him in soap and oh, scrub him for 20 seconds and he will go away and we will all be well and we can call this off. Uh, you know, I turned 38 and I was I made this joke, I think, in Freedom Kicks that I've been thinking that I was 38 since like October of last year. <laughs> um, and I don't know why it just in my head, it became easier to think of things that way. And that's where my brain would go like as a as a muscle memory thing. Um if I had to think of my age, it would be like, well, I'm 38. No, I'm 37. Nope. Um, but I now do the same I thing every summer. I don't have to have that, uh, that step back for a second. It's like, no, no, no. My natural instinct uh, is correct. And so wait, I, but, maybe, but you're 39 now, right? Uh, what I was going to say is that once you turn, once you get past 35, uh, I would say that most of your birthdays are 38 until you hit like 60. There's no difference. <laughs> Like, what's the difference between this, 50 and 38? It doesn't matter. This is 38 <laughs> the first time, though. Uh, is Next it? year will be 38 is, the second. Who knows? Who knows, Adam? Uh, apparently in my head... Jason could be 55. That, right, like uh, ha- Halloween uh, last year was was 38, and now I'm question mark. It could be anything. It's not, or, <laughs> it's not anything. It's not a low number. But it could be any of the middle or higher numbers for ages. All right, we're going to set the over-under at 42 and go from there. Uh, it, also, it really changes by the day, because there are days where I'm clearly not acting uh, this age at all. And then there are other days where I'm clearly acting uh, as if I am fo- uh, a fossil. If you wanted to start a Twitter poll, uh, Jason's age, over-under 42, I would, I would support that. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Jason is old podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, slightly less old. Jason Anderson, of course, is very old, and Ben Bromley is the a gosh one. darn infant. <laughs> Mr. Toddler over there, walking around, screaming, throwing tantrums, trying to stick his finger into electrical sockets. Um, you know, other things toddlers do that are very self-destructive in a very different way than Jason's type of self-destruction and my type it's of old your old self-destruction yes uh those are more chemical based as opposed to ben's electricity based uh self-destruction we are all from black and red where we cover soccer um, and electricity 
and self-destruction. Uh, tonight, we are we got a couple of news tidbits in the world of DC United and Major League Soccer. And in the second segment, we are going to welcome Washington Spirit goalkeeper Aubrey Bledsoe, uh, who is the reigning NWSL and Australian W League Goalkeeper of the Year. Uh, we're, we're really excited to talk to her, really looking forward to that interview. Before we get to anything, though, Jason, it's your birthday. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, so I bought a bunch of, when I, last time I went to the grocery store, there were a bunch of cans of, um, you know, the, the, you go to buy pineapple from the store in cans, especially you can have the ring pineapple or the chunk pineapple. I went to target, um, and they inexplicably had virtually no canned fruits in their normal place, but they had one big display of just Mm -hmm. uh, like wall to wall, uh, canned pineapple and the, the no. dates were all very far in the future uh-uh. um and and there wasn't even a sale price it just looked like they were badly organized um but anyway mm-hmm. i like pineapple and this was pineapple canned in pineapple juice not in the weird heavy syrup, syrup. or what yeah. have you yeah I, I hate that um so i bought a bunch of those and every time you open one you have like a solid four to five ounces of pineapple juice left over and you shouldn't waste pineapple juice that's perfectly good juice um so uh, I took that, I took that pineapple juice and I added a couple spoonfuls of my um, infused Fresno chili infused tequila. And then I added a little more mezcal and then I added a little more tequila, uh, plain tequila, um, Olmeca Altos uh, Blanco and uh, some lime. And I made myself a margarita. Nice. It's it's pretty good. It's got just enough spiciness, just enough smokiness. Uh, you don't need any triple sec because pineapple juice is plenty sweet already. Um, yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, the Anderson Margarita right there. I guess so. That's that's a new name. Trademark. <laughs> Tim, Tim, it is Tim. now a I'm thing. Try, I'm trying Happy to have birthday, some passive Jason. income. My, uh, my birthday gift to you is, is naming. Is, is officially a, trademarking a, this so that I can make some money off of it. A tequila, mezcal, pineapple juice, and lime margarita is an Anderson margarita. That that one's for you, buddy. Happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> ben, what are you drinking? So I've got, also gotten on the coronavirus uh, quarantine drink craze. We made some whipped coffee uh, here in our household. We actually went and on our last excursion to the grocery store. We got some instant coffee for the express purpose of making whipped coffee. We already had heavy cream because my sister-in-law, who is staying with us right now, loves baking and made a whole cake thing with uh, uh, heavy uh, heavy whipping cream as the frosting. And we had blah, blah, blah. You get it. Um, and so, You're just a quarantine cliche at this point. Baking, um, I mean, yeah. elaborate but cocktails. I- I'm not doing any of this. Other people are. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm doing the elaborate cooking, but we won't get into that right now. There's no point. Um, but yes, so my lovely wife made some whipped uh, coffee out of this instant coffee and heavy whipping cream, and it is strong. And I mixed it with bourbon, and it is still strong. <laughs> uh, so Can ooh, I- we'll see what happens. This isn't my story uh, necessarily, uh, but a friend of mine's uh, sister was staying with her parents and she made this whipped coffee. She was like, oh, my mom will really like this. So she made a bunch of it. She made enough for two batches. 
and she gave it to her mom and her mom like didn't seem to know maybe there was a disconnect in telling her what even it was and she said no right. it's it's whipped coffee it's a it's a coffee drink but it's been whipped so it's got the nice the foam thing going on and her mom was like hmm all right and she walked away and so f- about 5 minutes later uh she walks in to find her mom heating the coffee up in the microwave so that it can be hot coffee because that's apparently she was like, I would rather have hot coffee. I don't want this. Quick. So she was just heating it up and like stirring it to get it to emulsify again, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, apparently that was the end result. There was a microwaved with coffee, which I don't know if it went down too well. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to microwave whipped cream. Your version no. sounds better. Uh, yeah. Adding bourbon. I, I do have to ask then. Yes. Did you, like Stanley Tucci, make a delightful video of, of you making the drink? No. Uh, I am not. is a Negroni, of course. Uh, yes. Although I saw people online, especially Matt Doyle, uh, saying that, oh, I can make yeah. a better Negroni than <laughs> Stanley Tucci. He made, yeah, Stanley Tucci made a very basic Negroni. I, I will say that. It, there was no flair, no fanciness. It was very basic. He used some pretty good vermouth. That was... And he made a point of it. He's but, a uh, fairly well-to-do man, I feel like, at yeah, this point. I mean, there, there's, I mean, a Negroni I sometimes is well is a, should be a pretty simple thing. You use good ingredients and you make it simply. That's That that sounds very Italian to me, which a Negroni is. So I, I can live with that. Also, the video is delightful. So okay. that was that was more I mean, the point. Sometimes we need delightful celebrity videos. Uh, like we've said, uh, like just... Sam Neill's shoe video is delightful as well. So sometimes we just need celebrities being ridiculous on our videos. Sometimes we do. Uh, By the way, if you want a Negroni, contact Matt Doyle. He will probably tell you all about what you should do with your Negroni. If you're sitting around wanting one, wanting some advice, he has Negroni takes in a cap with a capital T. He probably has stronger drink takes than we do. Um, Probably, which probably as listeners to this podcast know is saying something. I <laughs> uh, I am drinking, uh, trying to keep it local. Uh, drinking Borough Bourbon from Republic Restoratives um, from Ivy City, DC, a woman-owned distillery. Uh, this is their batch number three, um, finished in Armagnac casks. Um, it's a nice little sipping bourbon. Um, nice, good for mixing too. But I'm I'm sipping it neat tonight, and it's uh. It's it's good stuff. I guess it, now we talk about soccer. Is that what we do? We haven't we haven't really done that in a while. So I'm we talked about something, something resembling soccer last week. We could yeah, talk about uh, casks of 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 wine, and we could just board you up behind those casks, Adam. I, I told you that this was finished in Armagnac, not Amontillado. Uh, close enough. We can still board you up behind the cast. Yeah, there's a subtle but significant difference no, I mean, it's not uh, subtle, when it comes it to bricking people up. The, are we at the point in our isolation where we have turned towards uh, Poe-esque uh, solutions to this this segment? Uh, Let me turn that around to you. I was, Were we ever not in that situation? I was going to say, For God's sake, Montresor! <laughs> I was going to say Poe-esque solutions to our problems, but then I realized we didn't even have a problem. We were creating a problem. Uh, we had you nothing, know, and we were like, no, let's make this worse. Let's, the generic let's podcast thing, the, the podcast cliche that I so often subscribe to is shouting out my own segues. And in this case, 
we didn't even do that. We just <laughs> turned straight to Edgar Allan Poe to destroy our segue. And who is you know, both of Richmond, Virginia and Baltimore, Maryland. One of the, one of the rare people to bridge that, that divide. <laughs> um, I don't think Chris Durkin ever did bridge that divide. I don't know if he ever made it up to He's Baltimore just a Richmond, on, a, Virginia. on a permanent basis. Yeah. He, but but he, he is. At that point. But you know, Belgium starts with B, just like Baltimore. <laughs> and Belgium and Baltimore are very similar places. <laughs> Everyone knows that. They love beer. End of list. Yes. <laughs> um, Chris Durkin, uh, of, of course, has been on loan with St. Troyden in Belgium, and uh, he's a DC United homegrown player. For any new listeners who who don't you know know Chris Durkin's entire life story, like many of our listeners. I think do. It's a little weird. Anyway, uh, he is going to be moving to St. Troyden on a permanent basis. Uh, I don't know if the final paperwork has been signed, but everything up to that point, it sounds like, is done. It's all agreed to. Uh, DC United getting uh, $1.2 million, I believe, on top of the, well, whatever the loan fee was, two hundred or 400000 something like that. Yeah, yeah, that so, loan fee was two hundred, and then one point two was the fee to make it permanent. So, a grand total of one point four million dollars for the transfer. DC United had originally reportedly had a two million dollar purchase clause uh, that got negotiated down in exchange. DC United gets, I think, twenty five percent of any sell on. This is a big transfer for St. Troyden, one of their biggest, if not the biggest transfer they've ever made. I think Pablo, I think Pablo Maurer said it was their second largest um, transfer uh, ever. um, Yeah. So based on what's big deal. He, he he worked their way into their starting lineup. He scored a goal for them um, from his defensive midfield position. Um, Sounds like he's happy there. Congrats to Chris. Um, Obviously he's going to be making what, like I think the, the, what Pablo said was 400,000. Yeah. That was very, uh, or like a base salary. So yeah. European contracts come with many more bonuses built in. Right. Yeah. And start bonuses, so. win bonuses, goal bonuses, yeah. uh, See, finish. He's making a lot more money. Yeah. Um, like a 400% raise at a starting point. And then on top of that, all the other stuff. So obviously a big deal for, for Chris. Uh, also uh, proof of concept for the first time since Andy Nahar. Uh, as far as DC United signing a homegrown player and moving them along and making a profit on them um, in a way that's good again, for both the player and the organization. And again to Belgium. And again to Belgium, yeah. Andy Nahar went to Anderlecht in, in Brussels. Uh, so we, we tried to we tried to mimic this with the site when uh, Rick uh, moved to Belgium, but there was no there was no way to profit on that. Um, turns out uh, we didn't have Rick's playing rights secured, so he was allowed to leave on a free. Uh, that's just bad policy on our part. I think we, we, I mean, but we still have his rights that when, way, when we, he comes, when he comes back, we still have his rights when he comes back to America. His, though his American yeah. soccer blog, we, rights. We, it, in that way, we strongly resemble DC United's normal course of action in these. We, we did not do it right to get a transfer fee, but DC United did it right. This time, uh, did right by the player. Um, They've had DC United obviously has some very good young homegrowns coming up if and when soccer happens again in this country or the world um, outside of Belarus and hopefully Germany. Well, not yet. They've started training in Germany, but they don't have game yet. Um, 
but but hopefully this is a a good course of practice for United and their homegrowns, and we see more players moving up through the ranks and uh, those who can and and are able to and who have the desire to do move on and DC United gets some money to invest back in under the new rules. Um, because Durkin was a homegrown, DC United keeps a hundred percent of that transfer. None of it goes to the league. And uh, I believe a million dollars of it is general allocation money, which DC United can use essentially to raise their salary cap um, to apply to players' contracts. So that's a pretty big deal. And 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 right now, it's actually a pretty big deal that the other $200,000 can be done with anything else. So maybe keeping people not furloughed or something like that. Yeah, it has to go to soccer something or other inside the organization. Yeah, it has to go to the club but you can't put it on the field, but it has to go. It can't just go to like ownership's pocket. Right. I mean, you can put it on the field in like by resodding the field that yes. I think that's probably yeah. an allowable or, ta- or, or paying talent. Yeah. Um, I, and um, I am for paying talent. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the Taylor family is very strongly pro paying talent. I believe Give the bird our, what our, he friends, deserves. our friends from the minority report uh, in Toronto are always fond of bringing up the fact that Maurice Adu's transfer to Scotland ended up paying for sod. Um, that's how they got uh, sod at, at uh, BMO Field was they were turf. That's um, how they replaced it. Uh, but they they sold Moadu and then shortly thereafter, like guess what? Now we have grass. Um, you know, I kind of want to get Mo on this podcast so we can ask him about that, how he feels about that. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a great question. I feel like we'd have to bring in uh, Kristen as well, though. Uh, yes. we can't we can't take the thunder completely. <laughs> Only partially. Yeah, we'll let we'll let them come in and watch us steal their. Not complete. Filibuster is not a completely stolen valor podcast. It's only a partial stolen valor podcast. <laughs> we will invite you to watch us stealing your valor. Um, <laughs> another uh, piece of news here that that I want to talk about, which is I'm going to admit. What you're going to hear for the next several minutes is going to be pure speculation on everybody's part. Liga and like all sports right now. Yes. <laughs> Everything is fantasy sports right now. The entire world is just fantasy sports. Um, and fantasy soccer is what we do here now. Uh, Liga Emekis uh, recently uh, voted to suspend promotion and relegation. I should say uh, the FMF uh, agreed to suspend promotion relegation between Liga MX and the Liga Ascenso, uh, the second division there. Uh, the the second division will become essentially an under-23 league with possibly some exceptions, possibly some pretty strict foreign player caps. We don't know what it looks like yet, but if you are an overage player, you it know, looks like very MLS. Good, very good chance you're going to be out of work down there, which is a problem. Um, and then the players aren't unionized yet. I imagine this possibly is going to lead to a change on that front. Um, and I hope it does, but for, for our purposes, we're going to focus on the idea that Liga MX is trying to become more like MLS and the owner of Atlas and Santos Laguna, because they do allow multiple ownership down there, which which does MLS MLS used to do. Yeah, MLS used to do that. <laughs> that yeah. that they they are where MLS was a few years ago on that front. But he said that a some kind of deeper partnership, possibly a super league, possibly a combined league of some kind, would in the short term benefit MLS, in the middle term uh, benefit Liga MX because MLS teams do have more revenue than Liga MX, even if 
everyone pretty much agrees that the quality in Mexico is better at this point on the field. Uh, MLS teams and operationally are just organized a little bit better. Um, but long term, it's going to benefit them both. And that just put a whole bunch of kerosene on the the rumors that have been going around for years now about the ultimate goal of MLS being a combined league with Liga MX in some form, whether that is a, a super league on top of both, whether that's just more competition between the two or whether that's a fully combined MLS Liga MX. Um, there's a few proposals for what that could look like floating around, but uh, the idea that that is where soccer in North America is heading seems to have a lot of momentum behind it right now. Yeah, uh, to say the least, um, especially from the the Mexican side of this coin, they're they're making more aggressive moves. I, I think their moves have been more dramatic. Um, MLSs have been more incremental. Um, you know, MLS has done things like okaying the Campeones Cup, um, okaying uh, a, f- a few other little things here and there. And it, there's always this this significant you know, a consistent rumor that they're moving in this direction. Everyone in the know seems to say, yeah, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. Um, that's a, those are small steps. Whereas uh, Mexico saying, okay, we're going to shut off uh, promotion or relegation for at least five years. Uh, that's a bigger step in that direction. Um, yeah. A pretty clear uh, move from their part. And, and, um, and let's be clear. Would, it's not coming back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when, probably not. Um, once when when look- owners have a safe investment, they're not going to yeah. jeopardize it. Um, and th- there was a really good article on Yahoo Sports about this uh, from Henry Bushnell. And he was pointing out that the framing of this, if you're going to get owners in both countries to buy in to whatever this is going to be down the road, is that you you have to start it with the worst things can be is what MLS is now. Um, and then above that is something better. Um, it can't be a situation where you feel like you're already at the top and you could slip because none of the owners are ever going to commit to that. Like it's, it'll, every single owner in the league will say no, um, because they want to protect their money and relegation comes with the threat of losing all your money and going under. Um, so yeah, that, that's the framing. I think it's a stretch to say that that's an easy thing though, because, if another league exists that uh, your club could be in, or that uh, the average American soccer fan is like, oh, let me find something to watch on TV. Oh, let me watch uh, Santos Laguna taking on uh, LAFC in the Super League um, versus let me watch Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota in in regular MLS. That TV deal is not going to be as good um, if it's separate. If you bundle them. If they're all, if all of that stuff is combined into one unit, then you've got a shot at making this kind of thing work. Um, but I do think it's smart that the framing that um, Bushnell's article puts out, I think, is is key because owners are never going to accept anything that makes it that it could get worse. It's got to be like it's not going to get worse and it could get better. So, Jason, yeah. you're you're saying that uh, Monterey is not going to accept if they happen to get relegated, having to go and play uh, the Richmond Kickers. Uh, well, I don't know if, if uh, Richmond would. I probably have to climb quite a bit to get there. <laughs> not um, quite a bit. They'd definitely have to climb one level if Monterey got relegated. Well, no. Well, the, no, the proposal was that the... You, Monterey would get relegated to uh, Liga MX. 
or they would get relegated to the to USL because if they were merged, it'd be yeah. It, it, well, it would be it would be a joint top part of the pyramid, but the bottom right. parts would be separated still like under under the Yahoo proposal. Uh, um, I do think I think Ben's idea is something that you could make if you got deep into your football manager editor and uh, really <laughs> you might be able to come up with a scenario in which. Uh, but the hyperbole also uh, also uh, shows that yeah nobody is going to accept real relegation if they merge these leagues because yeah. no it would it would be MLS yeah. is, is essentially separate from the rest of the American pyramid uh, Liga MX is separate to the yes, extent exactly. that there is still a pyramid in Mexico just like to the extent there's an, a pyramid in the US and then the two of them have a a super league above which is kind of how the the championship in the premier league formed was there was the FA league one and the club said, no, we want to do things a little differently. We're going to form a championship on top of league one. And then eventually the owners were like, no, we want more TV money. We're going to form a premier league above the championship. And it just keeps getting higher. You get higher levels and then the names get increasingly. And they're probably going to do the same thing in Europe. Yeah. A European super league, which, which this Yahoo article, uh, smartly talked about. Um, and if you want to talk about how MLS gets to be one of the top two or three leagues in the world, uh, a joint MLS Liga MX on top of the North American pyramid next to a uh, European super league, all of a sudden those are the two best leagues in the world. Arguably that's how you get there is by, by just cutting the heads off <laughs> of many, many leagues. Um, it's, it's kind of a monkey's paw style of, of getting there, but, it does kind of get you there. Uh, I am curious, you know, when push comes to shove, if you're, and I think in, and this is, I mean, this is by no means, this was just um, the Yahoo article had a proposal for how the league would be structured. And it's definitely not based on any inside knowledge. It was like, this is just an idea. Um, But if push came to shove, if I'm a Mexican club owner of a team that is pretty good, but isn't necessarily Tigres or Monterey, um, I'm not necessarily going to be happy if I get stuck playing in Liga MX while, you know, MLS's 10th best team is playing in the Superliga. If, I, if I'm, you know, the 10th best team in Mexico, I'm thinking we're better than those guys by a fair margin. Uh, we should not be down here while they're up there. Um and so there's going to be a, and this is the one of the things about Mexican soccer is that it is kind of the wild west. Um, when they've had relegation, there there was a stretch of time where you could purchase uh, a team's rights to be in the first division and avoid relegation by basically swapping teams or swapping you know corporate structures, licenses, um, and and being like, oh yeah, yeah, we're still up. Um, we just moved this team to our city and renamed it exactly the same name and everything's the same now. Um, and transferred so, all the player contracts. <laughs> yeah, you, you could go through this elaborate dodge. Um, and, you know, that's not going to go away right away. Um, you're going to have owners who are like, ah, this this like whole stability thing doesn't really suit the way I've been doing this for a while. I don't like it. Um, and those guys have some power. Um, they're not just going to be crazy guys standing off to the side complaining. Um, they could throw a wrench into the works. So um, we're definitely far away from this actually happening. Um, but the leagues are at least setting the table. I think they are trying to at least if they can find a way if, you know, they've also we haven't even gotten into FIFA. Um, if FIFA says no on this, then it becomes a really difficult because 
if you do that anyway, and FIFA's like, well, we're going to decertify your league, that means all your players are going to want to leave because um, mm-hmm. if you aren't in a FIFA sanctioned league, then getting transferred here and there becomes a nightmare. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they, but they won't, they won't do it if FIFA says no. Yeah, I, I do wonder whether whether this North American Super League happens before a European Super League, because the clubs in Europe they they are much more well equipped to stare FIFA down and play chicken with them than yeah. any group of clubs in in MLS and Liga MX are just from a financial and clout situation. If if Bayern Munich and Manchester United and Real Madrid and Barcelona and AC Milan are telling FIFA to go kick rocks, FIFA will say that they'll they'll back down eventually. Right. We, we might but I could also rocks. Yeah, but I could also see uh the North America being like the trial program and then sure. would this be the like, one that started off first? Would this be a situation where um, the the European clubs association, I forget the name of the, the actual name of the, the group of the biggest clubs in Europe, they're paying the legal bills for MLS and Liga MX the way the NFL Players Association was playing, paying the MLS PA's legal fees when they were suing over single entity. Yeah. Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. It'd be a nice little yeah. parallel. If all of those extremely wealthy dudes, if let's be frank, it's mostly a bunch of dudes, yes. um, get together and get along well enough because those guys tend to either love each other or immediately want to murder each other. Um, and so there is the possibility of a bunch of MLS and Liga MX owners and a bunch of European owners hating each other immediately uh, and going into uh, some sort of Cold War uh of soccer ownership that i don't i can't begin to understand uh because that's a lot of crazy people um in those various groups that is a lot of of wild maniacs with billions of dollars what if they just Uh, gave us their money and their soccer teams and we'll just figure it out i mean i'm okay with that i've got i would accept that particularly pressing by uh, us you mean the three of us individuals on this podcast right Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, us. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're all of those owners and you all agree that that's what we should do, uh, please email us at filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to the Filibuster Super League. I am your host, Adam Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> I think we're done. I think we solved it. We solved world soccer. Um, yeah. Just let us be in charge. And and it's time to take a break. When we come back, Aubrey Bledsoe from the Washington Spirit will be our guest. So please stick around. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or 
something to to that effect. If you uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Our guest tonight is the reigning goalkeeper of the year for both NWSL and the Australian W League. Uh, Excuse me, probably the only person in the world to hold that title simultaneously in two separate continents, at least at this moment. She got her first U.S. national team call-up last fall, and we're lucky enough to have her here in the DMV holding it down for the Washington spirit. Aubrey Bledsoe, welcome to Filibuster. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you guys. We're excited to have you here. Um, we have a traditional first question here. What are you drinking? I am drinking water from my green Gatorade bottle that I take with me wherever I go. It's never out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should drink more water than I do. Uh, <laughs> Put Poor, that boring answer, but yeah. How does the uh, how does the water compare for regions? Is there a, is there a, a preferred tap water between out here and back in Cincinnati? Honestly, I haven't noticed a difference other than mm-hmm. when I played in Orlando for the Orlando Pride. Mm-hmm. Everything just tasted like hose water down there. <laughs> oh, I don't the uh, something about Florida water. I don't know, um, but yeah. Outside of that, um, <laughs> our training our training water was sketchy. But outside of that, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All right, how are you? Uh, how are you keeping busy and sane during these very weird times we're living? So I was coming back from playing in Australia when things really got crazy in the States. So uh, they had stopped all the NWCL operations kind of like the day I landed or so. So I didn't, I haven't met up with the team yet. I'm still at my parents' house in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I actually consider myself quite blessed because I am able to spend a lot of time with my family. I'm really close with them and um, my nephews live down the street. So we've kind of all been quarantining together. Uh, my older brother's got, yeah, three, uh, three boys and then two foster girls. And my younger brother is home because he's a professional goalkeeper and his season is over. So I've been training with him. I've been hanging with my nephews and I've got a makeshift gym basement. So I've kind of got everything I need, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So Aubrey, uh, yeah. like we were like we we're saying uh, before uh, before we started recording, I'm also from Cincinnati. I went to a Catholic school in Cincinnati, and um, so what do you think of our traditional local cuisines, uh, skyline graders, and, and the like? Oh, love them! Um, it's weird being home and not being able to go to all my favorite places because, you know, with um, the lockdown and everything, like normally I build my visit around where I'm going to eat. Uh, if that's Skyline or um, I'm a big fan of Montgomery Inn ribs. Oh yeah. If you love haven't them. had those, anyone go to Cincinnati, got to try those out. Um, yeah. I've 
I went to Graders a couple days ago, but the line is just wrapped around the building, like 30 cars long. Because oh, wow. I guess everyone just wants their ice cream <laughs> or just to get out of the house for a drive. Um, but I stocked up on some Graders pints. So, so I'm covered there. Uh, but yeah, definitely love Graders. Um, I'm a big fan of Rose's Pizza, Montgomery Inn, Barbecue. Um, what else is there? There's there's some good good stuff, but um, yeah, Cincinnati's got some some interesting eats. Yeah. Known for. And then uh, going back to uh, the high school soccer days, uh, it looks like you uh, shared some time on the field with uh, Tori Huster uh, mm-hmm. back when you were all were at uh, St. Ursula. Uh, did that have any influence on you coming to the Washington spirit or was it just after things were in the works, you uh, connected back up with her or how did that work? Um, no, it didn't really have an influence. I was traded um, yeah. from the pride. So unless Tori was, you know, in Jim Gabera's ear at that time, he was the coach <laughs> unless, you know, she was like, Hey, we really need Aubrey. Um, I don't think it played an influence. Um, but, you know, maybe Jim was thinking, I've got Tori. She's a great player for the spirit. So maybe Aubrey's cut from the same cloth, <laughs> you know. Um, but, no, the, the spirit was in need of a goalkeeper because Steph LeBay um, left the squad. Yep. So I had had a good season with Orlando. I got to play when Nashon Harris was injured. And so I kind of, you know, put myself on the map when I got that chance to play and it opened up the door to be traded to be a regular starter. Uh, Aubrey, going back a bit, um, your return from Australia, it got me thinking of your last like six months, um, uh, basically on the calendar, you went to Australia, the W League starts, um, there are major uh, wildfires there for much of that season. Um, and then I saw, I think I saw either a tweet or on Instagram, um, when you were trying to get back from Australia, there was a like $13,000, uh, plane ticket quoted to you. Um, and then you do get back and we've got, you know, the entire country is locked down. Um, how are you getting your head around all of that? It seems like an awful lot to take in, in a very small amount of time. Yeah. The last week or two in Australia, just seems surreal because life seemed normal there. Um, I don't know if it was just the weather with it being summer um, and Mm. sunnier if it didn't spread as fast because, you know, they're obviously a lot closer in proximity to China, but um, everything was open. Everything was fine. Um, Our semifinal proceeded as normal. We had fans. And then our final, they limited it to only 100 fans. But it was just weird to wake up. So 9 a.m. there would be 5 p.m. back in the States, mm-hmm. Eastern time. So I'd wake up and it's like, what? Trump bans travel from Europe? Like uh, every day it seemed like there was some new development. While, like I'm saying, it seemed like normal life in Australia. So it was a bit crazy just to feel like things were kind of getting scarier by the day. But here I am, you know, just still playing soccer in Australia. Um, so in, 
in the beginning, you, you heard so much different information from everyone and you weren't sure what was true and factual and, and whatnot. So we're like, um, can we come to the States? Like, um, but it all, it all ended up being all right. Um, yeah, and I did not pay $12,000, but what had happened is once the travel was limited, like all these international flights were cut down, and Australia actually advised their own citizens not to leave the country at all. Um, so like they said on the flight, I flew Qantas out, um, and it was full, not, not an open seat anywhere, um, and they said it was one of the last flights that that crew would be going on so it was kind of crazy just the timing of everything it did seem like um yeah it was out kind of towards the end when international travel was really being cut back on um you know bringing it up to to uh, literally just a couple days ago this was supposed to be such a huge weekend for the spirit for nwsl um for, for you, I'm sure as an individual, um, having that, you know, Audi field game on CBS, um, all this momentum that was in place. And, you know, I found myself bummed out that there was no game to go cover. Um, I can only imagine right. what you were feeling about that. Um, how does, you know, I, obviously everything's such a, so up in the air right now, but, um, once we have something resembling normalcy again, how does the league, um, uh, recapture that how does the team recapture that that momentum that was in place it felt like uh heading into this season yeah i'm with you 100 percent. you know it was probably going to be a hopefully a record viewing crowd watching that opener at audi and um i'm sure we would have sold it out and just started off the season with a bang so it'll be interesting what the start of the season now looks like if We'll have to maybe resume play without fans or not. Um, but I'm just hoping that, you know, the world's without sports right now. And I feel like everyone is going a little crazy just staying <laughs> inside. And, um, you know, everyone's routine and, and life as we knew it has been affected. So, um, and sports, sports are great. Everyone loves sports. Like it's a, you know, microcosm for life. It's, you know, um, facing challenges and conquering or, you know, getting defeated and bouncing back. It's, it's a great, you know, metaphor for life. And, um, I think a narrative that people all want to get behind and more than ever, um, I hope that people will get behind women's sports and not let this slow the growth, especially with us women's soccer and the trial. And I felt like we are just, starting to hit our stride and um so i really hope that we can continue that and i hope that this makes people thirst you know for more sport in general and women's sport and they can get behind us and and we can still see our league grow however that may look like i would love to get fans in um but yeah we'll see it's just so hard to know what what the future looks like to uh, change gears pretty abruptly here, um, <laughs> there was a, a video from from your time with the Pride, where you and your twin sister uh, Amber pulled a, a little prank on Tom Sermani, and my mm-hmm. my five year old daughter is um, borderline obsessed with the Parent Trap 
right now. She doesn't oh, have a twin, crazy. but if she had one, she would want to do body switching all the time. Um, so I'm just curious about the genesis of that and how often you guys have pulled that throughout your lives. Uh, yeah, um, I'm quite a prankster. So um, I'm always looking for opportunities. Back in high school, we switched places on April Fool's Day and got all our teachers. Um, <laughs> and then, but like, obviously our, our friends know and um, it was tough growing up because everyone knows you're a twin. So it's really hard to fool people. But uh, when we went off to college, things started to get fun because, you know, some of my acquaintances didn't necessarily know I was a twin. So when we'd visit each other, you know, I'd be going for a run on campus and people would wave and I would like wave back and be like, oh, hey, Amber, like, by the way, a girl brunette like said hello and you know, she probably was confused why I wasn't as friendly today. <laughs> but um, so that's when we started having a lot of fun, um, you know, pranking each other's boyfriends or, or whatnot, seeing <laughs> if we could catch anyone off guard. Um, so, yeah, every time we would visit each other, we'd try to come up with something. So when I was in Orlando, it made for a really unique scenario because I had just broken my leg literally like a week before. So she came to practice with me that day and we were training at the Citrus Bowl, uh, which is a huge stadium in Orlando Pride had a great media team. And one of my friends was, was actually the videographer. So it's like, Hey, I want to, I want to prank Tom. Like, how can we make this happen? And the whole team was in on it as well. So I just stayed in the locker room and I gave her my crutches and I just had this compression sock that was over my leg because I'd broken my fibula. So it was just to keep the swelling down. But at this point I had, I couldn't put any weight on my leg at all. So she goes out and um, tosses the crutches and just starts jogging, which put that in perspective, that would be an absolute miracle. Like <laughs> I couldn't even walk. So yeah, you see in the video, Tom was quite shocked and, and confused and was telling our athletic trainer, stop, what is she doing? Like, this isn't good. Yeah. Because, I think my favorite, my favorite yeah. part of the video is when the trainers are like, do some hops, do the hops. And yeah. Tom almost falls <laughs> over. He's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Oh, I know. They could have kept it going. My sister could have, but Tom might have had a heart attack. So, <laughs> so she went over and, yeah, introduced herself. And it was, he was a good sport. But, yeah, that's one of my favorite moments. And, yeah, to this day, people always tell me, oh, I saw your video where you pranked Tom Cermani. It was a lot of fun. What's the longest you two have ever kept uh, the switch going? Hmm. Probably when we traded places in high school, it was half a day and it was a lot of fun, kind of like the parent trap. We had drawn out maps of the classroom <laughs> because I didn't know, you know, you have assigned seats. So I didn't know where she sat. Um, but we had to be smart about when we could actually do it because I didn't want to, you know, take a test for her and all of a sudden because you know that'd be a little uh 
across the line, but yeah. Um, yeah. So the circumstances had, had to work and, you know, people can't be staring and rat you out. So it's hard to do for a while because people catch on. Um, all our friends, you know, thought it was pretty funny, but I think that was probably the longest. It was about half a day. Uh, I'm remembering that uh, I think last year you brought uh, Krispy Kreme donuts to the spirit, uh, but they were not <laughs> genuine Krispy Kremes. Um, who, who, uh, I guess, who got it the worst from that one? Because you, you filled them with mayonnaise, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, <laughs> I did. See, I I thought the coaches would be all for that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was April Fool's. I filled some... They were chocolate glaze, so I figured, you know, the chocolate would maybe mask the taste a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just used a, a plastic baggie and tried to inject both sides of some extra mayo in there. And we had had a scrimmage the day before, so I was like, oh, they're shutout donuts, because that's a common goalkeeper <laughs> thing, you know, mm-hmm. to bring donuts in, because it was April 1st, and it does look sketchy if I'm just showing up with donuts and then lingering to watch the meat. <laughs> so unfortunately, apparently Richie decided to work out that morning or something. And he had quite the self-control, which was a bummer, but um, the Christian, we had a, an assistant coach named Christian and he ate the first donut um, and I was kind of like peeking around the corner and someone else videoed it for me because I eventually left. I couldn't wait all day for them to eat the donut. <laughs> and he, believe it or not, he ate the entire donut and had no idea. <laughs> oh, no. And I put in a lot of mayonnaise, <laughs> even poked like- an extra hole for more mayo. So <laughs> not not sure what happened there, but he was the you only just one. Just thought it was an extra tangy one. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Is it yeah, is it, it better or worse that you didn't really get a reaction? Like that, not getting a reaction to that to me is almost better because it's so uh, unexpected. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I should have put more mayo in there. Apparently, <laughs> but, always the right answer. Lesson learned. Right, I. I've got two glazed donuts, you know, because it can't just be who goes to Krispy Kreme and doesn't get glazed. Couldn't right. have all filled donuts. And unfortunately, the glaze were eaten. And then, yeah, the one chocolate filled. Uh, and then yep. after that, um, we were all kind of laughing. So they, they knew what was up. And, and only Christian had one, not Richie. I still got to get Richie. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's keeping on his, uh, his guard now. Um, Cause it seems like yeah. he invites it a little bit. He does. He's, I enjoy uh, his banter. Um, mm-hmm. He's a, uh, he's a fun, fun guy. Um, definitely rough around the edges, you know, being from Liverpool and he loves to talk and, uh, yeah, he's fun. Everyone loves to, you know, pick on him, and he gives it right back. Well, he gives it right <laughs> back, so we kind of, uh, you know, pick up for ourselves. <laughs> um, staying staying with uh, baked goods, I know you're a huge uh, fan of baking, um, mm-hmm. and everyone's, you know, all these, I've, you know, everyone's baking right now. People are uh, baking that have never tried to bake anything before. 
And it seems like everyone's making bread. Everyone's making some kind of uh, focaccia or banana bread or something. Um, sourdough. Yeah, sourdough is uh, super popular. Um, what do you think people should try that they aren't trying right now? Well, what's an idea that they aren't uh, having uh, as far huh. as uh, baking options? Hmm. What if I didn't see? I love dessert. I've got a big sweet tooth. So, um, I would say cinnamon rolls. Me and my mom have made some cinnamon rolls the past two weeks. Um, and they're tough making them Mm -hmm. from scratch, but they're so good. Like they're just one of those things that's much better homemade. You can't really, unless cinnamon's pretty good, but outside of that, it's hard to really go get a quality cinnamon roll somewhere. So I'd say try cinnamon rolls because it's quite the challenge and if you're bored, it takes a long time. So there you go. <laughs> cinnamon rolls. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a tip. When you get back to DC, if you want cinnamon rolls, Saturday and Sunday mornings, Uncle Chips on North Capitol Street. Uncle Chips. Their cookie shop. They All have right. the fantastic cookies, but on the weekends, they have amazing, ginormous cinnamon rolls. We had them last weekend, in fact, and Ooh, they are thank you almost too big to finish. They're fantastic, though. I'll add that to my DC list. Uh, Aubrey, I know, um, I know the spirit are supposed to be coming out with a, a new kit this year. Have you, since you haven't been around, have you gotten to see it yet? Or are you still in the dark? I saw a peek of it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what I'm allowed to, to share about it. Um, <laughs> you have our permission to share whatever you want. <laughs> I, I just feel left out because. Homekeepers all wear the exact same kit. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that, mm-hmm. but we have no control over our kit, just whatever Nike releases. And usually we wear the same kit for two years. So um, I selfishly don't really care what they're wearing. I kind of, you know, want to see what I'm wearing. If I got a new mm-hmm. style, new colors, or if it's just the same as last year. But um, yeah. We need to get. I, I can't can't let any, anything slide, yeah. but um, it's definitely different than last year. I'll say that. We need to get Jorge Campos in and at Nike to design some goalkeeper jerseys for them. Um, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember uh, back in the day, there used to be the option of goalkeepers being allowed to wear the team's alternate jersey. If there, there was no conflict with the opponent, you could just wear... Uh, you know, if the spirit were at home, you could just wear the white and the the spirit could wear the stripes and it would have been fine. But it seems like now that option's not even on the table anymore. No one does it anymore. Right. But yeah, I don't see why not. You know, um, I'm a big fan of the short sleeve goalkeeper jersey, especially, you know, when it gets so hot in D.C. in the summertime or we're going to Houston or Orlando to play. So it really is the same thing as a field player, you know, I don't need the mm. long sleeves for any elbow pads or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, uh, that's all we've got for you. Aubrey, thank you for coming on the, the show. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Um, I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Aubrey Bledsoe. Um, I think Facebook is Aubrey.bledsoe. But uh, yeah, I would love to hear from 
fans. I'm pretty accessible and um, we'll definitely get back to you eventually and hope to see you guys soon. Well, uh, I, I would also like to offer our help in any pranking needs. If you, if you need media, talk <laughs> yeah. to Jason, talk to me. Yeah, we'll, I'm, we'll... I'm sure Richie would love for me to be involved in a prank on him. He would be a huge <laughs> fan of that. The more the merrier. I'm sure a lot of people would love to be involved. So, yeah, if anyone has any ideas, yeah, reach out. I'm game. We need something good. <laughs> Richie, don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, turn it off five minutes ago, Richie. Uh, find uh, find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. Tell them about this interview uh, and, and tell them what we're doing here. Uh, that'd be a uh, greatly appreciated for uh, Jason and Ben and thanking Aubrey Bledsoe one more time. I'm Adam and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Uh, I can't believe I turned 38. That's, that's bizarre to me. <laughs>